Chapter Nine of Wooden Garden. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Wooden Garden: Notes and Thoughts, Practical and Critical, of a Working Amateur by Gertrude Jekyll. Chapter Nine, August. Leicesteria, Early Recollections, Bank of Choice Shrubs, Bank of Briar Roses, Hollyhocks, Lavender, Lilies bracken and heaths the fern walk late blooming rock plants autumn flowers tea roses fruit of rosa ragusa fungi chanterelle leicesteria formosa is a soft wooded shrub whose beauty without being showy is full of charm and refinement i remember delighting in it in the shrub wilderness of the old home where i first learnt to know and love many a good bush and tree long before i knew their names there were towering rhododendrons, all ponticum, and dilanthus, and hickory, and magnolias, and then spirea, and snowball tree, and tall yellow azalea, and buttercup bush, and shrubby andromedas, and in some of the clumps tall cypresses and the pretty cut-leaved beech, and in the edges of others some of the good old garden roses, double cinnamon, and rosa lucida, and damask and provence, moss rose and sweetbriar besides tall-grown lilacs and syringa. It was all rather overgrown, and perhaps all the prettier, and some of the wide grassy ways were quite shady in summer, and I look back across the years and think what a fine lesson-book it was to a rather solitary child, and when I come to plant my own shrub-clump, I thought I would put rather near together some of the old favorites. So here again we come back to Leicesteria, put rather in a place of honor, and near it buttercup bush and andromeda and magnolias and old garden roses i had no space for a shrub wilderness but have made a large clump for just the things i like best whether new friends or old it is a long low bank five or six paces wide highest in the middle where the rather taller things are planted these are mostly junipers and magnolias of the magnolias the kinds are sulangiana conspicua purpurea and stellata one end of the clump is all of peat earth here are andromeders, skimmias, and on the cooler side the broad-leaved gale, whose crushed leaves have almost the sweetness of myrtle. One long side of the clump faces southwest, the better to suit the things that love the sun. At the farther end is a thrifty bush of Styrax japonica, which flowers well in hot summers, but another bush under a south wall flowers better. It must be a lovely shrub in the south of Europe, and perhaps in Cornwall, here the year's growth is always cut at the tip, but it flowers well on the older wood, and its hanging clusters of white bloom are lovely. At its foot, on the sunny side, are low bushy plants of Cystus florentinus. I am told that this specific name is not right, but the plant so commonly goes by it that it serves the purpose of popular identification. Then comes Magnolia stellata, now a perfectly shaped bush five feet through, a sheet of sweet-scented bloom in April. Much too near it are two bushes of Cystus latiniferus. They were put there as little plants to grow on for a year in the shelter and comfort of the warm bank, but were overlooked at the time they ought to have been shifted, and are now nearly five feet high, and are crowding the magnolia. I cannot bear to take them away to waste, and they are much too large to transplant, so I am driving in some short stakes diagonally and tying them down by degrees, spreading out their branches between neighboring plants. It is an upright-growing cystus, 
that would soon cover a tallish wall space but this time it must be content to grow horizontally and i shall watch to see whether it will flower more freely as so many things do when trained down next comes a batch of the handsome bambusa ragamowski dwarf but with strikingly broad leaves of a bright yellow-green color it seems to be a slow grower or more probably it is slow to grow at first bamboos have a good deal to do underground it was planted six years ago a nice little plant in a pot and now is eighteen inches high and two feet across just beyond it is the mastic bush caryopteris masticanthus a neat gray-leaved small shrub crowded in september with lavender blue flowers arranged in spikes something like a veronica the whole bush is aromatic smelling strongly like highly refined turpentine then comes xanthocerus sorbifolia a handsome bush from china of rather recent introduction with saw-edged pinnate leaves and white flowers early in the summer but now forming its bunches of fruit that might easily be mistaken for walnuts with their green shucks on here a wide bushy growth of flomus fruticosa lays out to the sun covered in early summer with its stiff whorls of hooded yellow flowers one of the best of plants for a sunny bank in full sun in a poor soil a little farther along and near the path comes the neat little Dutia parviflora and another little shrub of fairy-like delicacy philadelphus microphylus behind them is stephanodera flexuosa beautiful in foliage and two good st john's warts hypericum aureum and hypericum moserianum and again in front a cystus of low spreading growth cystus helaminfolius or something near it one or two favorite kinds of tree peonies comfortably sheltered by lavender bushes fill up the other end of the clump next to the andromedas and all spare spaces on the sunny side of the shrub clump is a carpeting of magasia ligulata a plant that looks well all year round and gives a quantity of precious flowers for cutting in march and april i was nearly forgetting pavia mocrostachia now well established among the choice shrubs it is like a bush horse chestnut but more refined the white spikes standing well up above the handsome leaves on the cooler side of the clump is a longish planting of dwarf andromeda precious not only for its beauty of form and flower but from the fine winter colouring of the leaves and those two useful spireas spirea bunbergi with its countless little starry flowers and the double prunifolia the neat leaves of whose long sprays turn nearly scarlet in autumn then there comes a rather long stretch of artemisia stellariana a white-leaved plant much like cineraria maritima answering just the same purpose but perfectly hardy it is so much like the silvery cineraria that it is difficult to remember that it prefers a cool and even partly shaded place beyond a long ridge that forms the shrub clumps is another parallel to it and only separated from it by a path also in the form of a long low bank on the crown of this is the double row of cob nuts that forms one side of the nut alley it leaves a low sunny bank that i have given to various briar roses and one or two other low bushy kinds here is the wild burnet rose with its yellow-white single flowers and large black hips and its garden varieties the scotch briars double white flesh-colored pink rose and yellow and the hybrid briar stanwell perpetual here also is the fine hybrid of rosa rugosa madame george bruant and the lovely double rosa lucida 
and one or two kinds of small bush roses from out-of-the-way gardens and two wild roses that have for me a special interest as i collected them from their rocky home in the island of capri one is a sweet briar in all ways like the native one except that the flowers are nearly white and the hips are larger last year the bush was distinctly more showy than any other of its kind on account of the size and unusual quantity of the fruit the other is a form of rosa sempervirens with rather large white flowers faintly tinged with yellow hollyhocks have been fine in spite of the disease which might be partly checked by very liberal treatment by far the most beautiful is one of a pure pink colour with a wide outer frill it came first from a cottage garden and has always since been treasured i call it pink beauty the wide outer petal a heresy to the florist makes the flower infinitely more beautiful than the all-over full double form that alone is esteemed on the show-table i shall hope in time to come upon the same shape of flower in white sulphur rose-colour and deep blood crimson the colours most worth having in hollyhocks lavender has been unusually fine to reap its fragrant harvest is one of the many joys of the flower year it is to be kept and dried it should be cut when as yet only a few of the purple blooms are out on the spike if left too late the flower shakes off the stalk too readily some plantations of lilium harisi and lilium auratum have turned out well some of the harisi were grouped among tufts of bright-foliaged funkia grandifloria on the cool side of a yew hedge just at the foot of the hedge is tropolium speciosum which runs up into it and flowers in graceful wreaths some feet above the ground the masses of pure white lily and cool green foliage below are fine against the dark solid greenery of the yew and the brilliant flowers above are like jewels of flame the bermuda lilies harisi are intergrouped with lilium speciosum which will follow them when their bloom is over the lilium auratum were planted among groups of rhododendrons some of them are between tall rhododendrons and have large clumps of lady fern felix foamina in front but those that look best are between and among bamboos bamboo mitaki the heavy heads of flower borne on tall stems bend gracefully through the bamboos which just give them enough support here and there in the copse among the thick masses of green bracken is a frond or two turning yellow this always happens in the first or second week of august though it is no indication of the approaching yellowing of the whole but it is taken as a signal that the fern is in full maturity and a certain quantity is now cut to dry for protection and other winter uses dry bracken lightly shaken over frames is a better protection than mats and is almost as easily moved on and off the ling is now in full flower and is more beautiful in the landscape than any of the garden heaths the relation of colouring of greyish foliage and low-toned pink bloom with the dusky spaces of purplish-grey shadow are a precious lesson to the colour student the fern walk is at its best it passes from the garden upwards to near the middle of the copse the path a wood path of moss and grass and short-cut heath is a little lower than the general level of the wood the mossy bank some nine feet wide and originally cleared for the purpose is planted with large groups of hardy ferns with a preponderance due to preference of dilated shield fern and lady fern 
once or twice in the length of the bank are hollows sinking at their lowest part to below the path level for osmundum and vlecknum when rain is heavy enough to run down the path it finds its way into these hollow places among the groups of fern are a few plants of true wood character linnea triantalis gutiera and trillium at the back of the bank and stretching away among the trees and underwood are wide-spreading groups of solomon seal and wood-rush joining in with the wild growth of bracken and bramble most of the alpines and dwarf-growing plants whose home is the rock garden bloom in may or june but a few flower in early autumn of these one of the brightest is ruta patavina a dwarf plant with lemon-coloured flowers and a very neat habit of growth it soon makes itself at home in a sunny bank and poor soil pterocephalus parnassi is a dwarf scabiosus with small grey foliage keeping close to the ground and rather large flowers of a low-toned pink the white thyme is a capital plant perfectly prostrate and with leaves of a bright yellow green that with the white bloom give the plant a particularly fresh appearance it looks at its best when trailing about little flat spaces between the neater of the hardy ferns and hanging over little rocky ledges somewhat farther back as the handsome dwarf platycodon mariesi and behind it the taller platycodons among full-flowered bushes of olearia haasti by the middle of august the garden assumes a character distinctly autumnal much of its beauty now depends on the many non-hardy plants such as gladiolus canna and dahlia on tritomas of doubtful hardiness and on half-hardy annuals zinnia helichrysum sunflower and french and african marigold fine as are the newer forms of hybrid gladiolus the older strains of gatavensis hybrids are still the best as border flowers in the large flower border tall well-shaped spikes of a good pink one look well shooting up through and between a wide-spreading patch of glaucous foliage of the smaller yuccas tritoma colescens iris pallida and funkia ciboldi while scarlet and salmon-coloured kind are among groups of peonies that flowered in june whose leaves are now taking a fine reddish colouring between these and the edge of the border is a straggling group some yards in length of the dark-foliaged heucora richardsoni that will hold its satin-surfaced leaves till the end of the year farther back in the border is a group of the scarlet-flowered dahlia fire-king and behind these dahlias lady aridolon and cochineal of deeper scarlet colouring the dahlias are planted between groups of oriental poppy that flower in may and then die away till late in autumn right and left of the scarlet group are tritomas intergrouped with dahlias of moderate height that have orange and flame-coloured flowers this leads to some masses of flowers of strong yellow colouring the old perennial sunflower in its tall single form and the best variety of the old double one of moderate height the useful h latiflorus and the tall miss mellish the giant form of hypalium rigidum and rudbeckia numani reflects the same strong colour in the front part of the border and all spaces are filled with orange zinnias and african marigolds and yellow helichrysum as we pass along the border the colour changes to paler yellow by means of a pale perennial sunflower and the sulphur-coloured annual kind with paris daisies onothera lamarckiana and verbascum phlomoides 
the two last were cut down to about four feet after their earliest bloom was over and are now again full of profusely flowered lateral growths at the farther end of the border we come again to glaucous foliage and pale pink flowers of gladiolus and japan anemone it is important in such a border of rather large size that can be seen from a good space of lawn to keep the flowers in rather large masses of color no one who has ever done it or seen it done will go back to the old haphazard sprinkling of coloring without any thought of arrangement such as is usually seen in a mixed border there is a wall of sandstone backing the border also planted in relation to the color massing in the front space this gives a quiet background of handsome foliage with always in the flower season some show of color in one part or another of its length just now the most conspicuous of its clothing shrubs or of the somewhat tall growing flowers at its foot are a fine variety of bignonia radicans a hardy fuchsia the claret vine covering a good space with its red bronze leaves and clusters of blue-black grapes the fine hybrid crinums and clerodendrum foetidum tea roses have been unusually lavish of autumn bloom and some of the garden climbing roses hybrids of china and noisette have been of great beauty both growing and as room decoration many of them flower in bunches at the end of the shoots whole branches cut nearly three feet long make charming arrangements in tall glasses or high vases of oriental china perhaps their great autumnal vigor is a reaction from the check they received in the earlier part of the year when the bloom was almost a failure from the long drought and the accompanying attacks of blight and mildew the great hips of the japanese rosa rugosa are in perfection they have every ornamental quality size form color texture and a delicate wax-like bloom their pulp is thick and luscious and makes an excellent jam the quantity of fungus growth this year is quite remarkable the late heavy rain coming rather suddenly on the well-warmed earth has no doubt brought about their unusual size and abundance in some woodland places one can hardly walk without stepping upon them many spots in the copse are brilliant with large groups of scarlet-capped fly agaric amanita muscaria it comes out of the ground looking like a dark scarlet ball generally flecked with raised whitish spots it quickly rises on its white stalk the ball changing to a brilliant flat disc six or seven inches across and lasting several days in beauty but the most frequent fungus is the big brown boletus in size varying from a small bunch to a dinner plate some kinds are edible but i have never been inclined to dry them being deterred by their coarse look and uninviting coat of slimy varnish and why eat doubtful boletus when one can have the delicious chanterelle cantharellus caibarius also now at its best in color and smell it is like a ripe apricot perfectly wholesome and when rightly cooked most delicate in flavor and texture it should be looked for in cool hollows in oak woods when once found and its good qualities appreciated it will never again be neglected end of chapter nine recording by amy graymore